Hey guys, and welcome to the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm Caitlin Dorsey, an Abundance Alchemist, animal lover, trauma survivor to thriver, mindset expert, self-love junkie, and author. This is the place to be to grab those powerful tools, ideas, and inspiration to make lasting changes in yourself and your life. No more waiting, my friends, because it's time to show up unapologetically, radiate that confidence, and create a life you absolutely love. Time to buckle up and dive on in. Hello, my high-fiving friends. I'm so excited you're here and as always have an amazing guest to introduce. Today, we're going to be chatting with Sheila Sutherland. She is a certified social and emotional intelligence coach, professional educator, speaker, podcaster, best-selling author, and is the only licensed O-Shift facilitator in Canada. With almost 20 years experience in the science and education industries, Sheila combines her knowledge, quirky sense of humor, and curiosity in human behavior to find ways to master this thing called life. As a certified social and emotional intelligence coach, coach Sheila guides her clients through the cultivation of the necessary competencies to manage their behavior, their responses, and relationships with others to increase their level of success, both personally and professionally. So welcome, Sheila. Thank you so much, Caitlin. I'm so excited to be here with all of you today. Yeah. So um, I love to start with all my guests to just have you share how you got to doing what you're doing today. It was a, it's a little bit of a long kind of <laughs> route. Like I think like most people, right? We mm-hmm. we always look at our journeys and it's never a straight line. Yeah. You know, we would love to go point A to point B, you know, and and think that's going to be the best thing, but you know, best laid plans never works mm-hmm. that way. So, I mean, I did several routes through mm, several different careers and, uh, but I mean, the most, probably the most recent or recent and most impactful was that of a high school teacher. Mm. So I taught high school math and science and senior biology. And, you know, that was my passion. My background was in marine biology and, you know, and, and being able just to, well, and I, not that I ignored the boys, but I really wanted to inspire girls Mm. in two areas that historically are not strong Mm -hmm. uh, for, for girls in high school and, and just being able to watch them excel Mm. and, and, and not be afraid of it and not be like, oh, I can't look smart, you know, because there is that perception. Girls don't want to look smart because they think that's, you know, that's not what guys are looking for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it it was at the time when I was starting, I was literally the only female in that department. Mm -hmm. So I was a little bit of an oddball and I stuck out and it doesn't (laughs) help being almost six feet tall. You know, I was a little bit of a presence (laughs) at the start at the front of the room. But it was, that's where it all started, right? Is being able to just give the knowledge that I had. Mm. And somewhere line, the universe had different plans for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I went through a series of traumas and the the last one being the biggest, which caused me to have to leave my career because I ended up being uh, diagnosed with a, a chronic illness. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of the chronic pain and the chronic fatigue, I was, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't be in the classroom, right? Because I couldn't mm-hmm. depend on when I was going to be there. Perfectly right. understandable. Right. So now I'm thinking, now what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, what do, I get the, you know, the whole question of what do I want to be when I grow up? And, mm-hmm. you know, I thought I had that, but ooh, there's something else. And I mean, it, but it, 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 it that in itself was not an easy easy road, right? Because I had to 
come up against that big gigantic mirror, which nobody likes to look into and, Mm -hmm. and ask myself, do I like the route that my, my life was going, you know, do I like who I am? And, and and a lot of the answers were coming back were no. Mm. And then, you know, that's not exactly what I wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. And so many years, and it's really easy to lie to ourselves, right? With the whole, I'm fine. No, I'm good. You know, life is great. And we put on that mask and perception like, no, no, I, you know, I've got it all going on and I'm just going to keep soldiering through. But eventually, like I say, the universe goes, mm-mm, mm-hmm. girl, that, that's done. We're not going to do that. You're not in alignment. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't the path. You think you know, but you don't know. And uh, yeah, I'm going to knock you off of that because you know what? You need to go a different direction. And, uh, you know, that's what ended up happening. And I kind of went, I had to kind of let go mm-hmm. of all of these ideas and organizer. I need to know 15 steps ahead of where I'm going before I ever do anything. Mm-hmm. Right? And I had to let that go. Right. And just kind of go, all right. You you win. You what do I do? And things just started to show up. Mm. You know, workshops started showing up. Uh, coaches started showing up. Uh, different courses and things. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do, so I'm just going to take it all. Mm. And I went to everything and saw what resonated and what didn't. And you know, taking little bits here and there. And I started implementing them. And I started seeing differences. And people started looking at me, going. How can you be so happy with with everything that you've gone through? Mm. Like you have every right to be sad, to be angry, to be bitter, to be miserable, but you're not. And I'm like, at that point, I didn't have the words to Mm. explain. And I was just like, I don't know. It just kind of what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I thought, okay, people are starting to notice. I'm going to keep going down this path. And I just kept learning and learning. And then I got to a point of, hey, maybe I could teach this to other people because I Mm. know I'm not the only one in this world who is going through some tough stuff, Mm -hmm. right? We all have it. It it all may come up in different forms, Mm -hmm. but we life likes to give us challenges. It's Mm -hmm. just, that's just what life is. And I thought, okay, you know what? Maybe, you know, instead of educating teenagers, I can shift to educating adults and help them through some of the things that they're going through, because I know when I was really looking, I I couldn't find anyone to support me, Mm. you know, and I didn't, I didn't know where to look. I didn't know the right words, right. To find every, I mean, now, you know, a little bit different because I've been immersed in it a little bit longer. So I know what to look for, but at the beginning, you're kind of like, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. It's overwhelming. And I thought, okay, well, if I can, you know, be somehow be that guiding light and, and be that, that, cheerleader for people who are going through stuff to just to kind of help them to show them that you know what you you may be in some darkness right now but i can guarantee you it's not going to last and we're going to walk through it together and come out the other end and you're going to see the the strength and the things that you've grown and learned during that time and then sky's the limits from there like where can Mm -hmm. we, we where we can use all those things that we have gone through and mm-hmm. use them as a springboard to something else. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> I It's beautiful. I appreciate you sharing so much and I love your journey. I think 
so many people resonate with that idea of like something occurs and then you get thrown off course. And I always talk to my clients about life is not that positive trajectory all the time, right? It's kind of like that pinball machine where you're like, oh, I know where I kind of want to go, but like now I'm really going far in this direction. And I think that um, there's so many pieces that, like I said, resonated. The, The main one being that idea of, you know, I think I I experienced that with uh, trauma and like people being like, how do you like move forward? How are you like going into, you know, helping people that have been through something similar or these pieces? And and I felt the same way. I was like, I don't even know how to answer this question. I'm not sure. <laughs> and then, you know, you start trying to answer it and you're like, oh, that doesn't sound right. Um, especially like, you know, I was part of my history is sexual assault was a trauma, um, one of the traumas that I was working with. And when you tell people like, oh, well, there's power in choice. It's like, ooh, choice, sexual assault. Like there's kind of this piece of like, it gets very mixed up and it's like, wait, 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 that's not what I meant. Um, And so I think that's really what drew me to you is like this idea of like, you know, how so much of your work is through like this empowerment of choice. And I'm curious if you could share a little bit more about what that even like means or looks like. Well, and and you and you hit a very very solid point there. When you there, you can say you know, oh, we have the power of choice. And when someone is in the middle of something, mm-hmm. like they are deep in the muck, and they're like, you think I have a choice? Right. It doesn't feel like it. It mm-hmm. it feels like everything is against you. The world is conspiring against you. The people are conspiring against you. And you're like, I don't have a choice in this matter. Right. But. Where the choice comes in is what I view as one of the very few things that we have true control of in our lives, and that's in our response. Mm-hmm. That's where our power of choice comes in. Yeah, We have a choice in, in every moment of the day and everything that we experience, how we are going to show up, how are we going to respond to all the little things and, and, you know, and big things that happen in our lives. And it's kind I always kind of view it like I'm, I'm always thinking in pictures, but it's, it. I always think of, if I'm met with something in front of me that I'm standing in front of it and I see that fork in the road and I'm like, oh, you know, and I, this sounds like this takes for like 10 minute conversation that's going on in my head, but it's all microseconds. Trust mm-hmm. me. <laughs> but I sit there and go, okay, I can react in this way. I can do the knee jerk reaction and just everything that I'm feeling right now, just let it explode all over whoever's in front of me. But if I do that, this is what the the result is going to be. Mm -hmm. But if I can take a minute, step back, take a breath and think of a different way of responding. And that might create this type of a, a end point for it. Okay, which one am I going to choose? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to say there's a right or a wrong choice there. Everyone mm-hmm. gets to make that choice. Right. Now, if you choose to do the knee jerk reaction and explode all over, because you know what, there are some, there are some times in life where you need to do that. Mm-hmm. But be prepared for what the outcome is. Mm. You know, it's it's making that informed choice. Right. So if you know, if I'm going to do this, this is what's going to happen. All right, let's do it. I'm ready. And I'm ready for whatever's going to come back because of it. Mm -hmm. And so you have that choice. You have that informed choice instead of just mindlessly reacting 
And then you're like, oh crap, now I got to do damage control. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I, I said something, I did something I didn't mean for that, but that was just the emotion talking. And then you have to backpedal and that gets messy and it gets dirty. And especially when you're dealing with personal relationships, mm-hmm. sometimes there's no coming back from that. Right. But that's where, if you can learn, and this is where uh, a lot of the emotional intelligence comes into play because mm-hmm. one of what there's 20 different or 26, excuse me, different competencies here. But the one that I like to view as one of the top is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So if you can feel that or have that self-awareness, if you you know that that's coming, you can feel the explosion of the emotions starting to happen. And we all have our tells in some way. Like I know physically when it's happening in my body, because I have mm-hmm. learned what that feels like. Everybody has a different feel. And if you can learn what that is, you know, you've got probably a couple of minutes to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can go. I need to step away. I need to go to another room. I need to take a minute. I need to take a breath. I need to step back. Whatever you need to do to calm that down. Because if we let it overtake us, the part of our brain that is our emotional center takes over and that becomes the threat center. And that's where, like I say, we have the knee-jerk reactions. Right. We will, it's like our brain and our body goes into attack mode because mm-hmm. it feels threatened in right. some way. But if we can take that moment and step back and kind of deactivate that knee-jerk reaction, that allows our higher thinking to take over. We can do our problem solving. We can think of different choices. We can make better decisions that are going to give us a more positive outcome. Mm-hmm. And then that way we can go down the other road. So that's where our power is. You know, so sometimes we may not feel like in a, a situation we have choice in the situation. And no, we may not. Mm-hmm. But our response to it, we do. We always, always, always have that choice in how we are going to respond to something. And if we can learn to harness that and have that as our superpower, mm-hmm. because let me tell you, that is it a is. superpower. Yeah. Oh, you will see your life it change, you know, personally, professionally, it, it exponentially, it changes when we can use that for our benefit. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, those kind of in a little bit different of a way, but very much the similar idea of like our response and our reaction was how I started talking to people about like, I didn't have a choice in that situation, but I do get to decide what I do moving forward and how, especially in like a situation with, you know, sexual assault or domestic violence or those pieces where we maybe don't have, like you said, the power of choice in that situation, we absolutely do have the choice to take that power back and decide how we move forward with it. So I love that distinction. And I also want to say, I think you hit on something, two things that I just was like, oh my goodness, that's perfect. The one of them was the informed decision. I loved that idea, right? Of like, if you go into it with intention, no matter which way you choose, you know, and you've thought about the outcomes. Um, and with that, I lied, there's three. Um, the other one that I really liked was that piece of you could take a couple minutes, right? That permission of like, we have this idea in society that's so rushed and we're so much in that hustle that you're like, I have to respond right now, yes. but you don't. And if you give yourself that permission to take a step back and if people are uncomfortable with the silence or right, like growing in that space, but you give yourself time to figure out, okay, what are the options, right? Where, how can I make an informed decision moving forward? And then the last piece I want to say is I loved that you hit on the different spaces in your brain where you're going, right? Because we go into that fight or flight 
I think they've, they've expanded it so much. It's like fight, flight, freeze, fawn now. Um, and, or you go into that space of like the prefrontal cortex, right? So like you're in that fight flight space, which you were talking about the immediate reaction. And then you talked about this piece of where you can go into making those informed decisions and weighing the options and weighing these things and really being able to react, um, in that prefrontal cortex space, which, so it's really amazing to see like what you're talking about and how you identified it. Like you actually are shifting into different parts of your brain when you give yourself that time to decide, okay, what is my informed decision moving forward? So I thought those were just incredible highlights that you brought up. Well, and it is exactly because I think when people can actually like visualize what is going on in their body in a moment, it just makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of us, like, we know we have to change in some way. We know we've done, we've gone through life reacting a certain way and we don't like it, but Mm -hmm. we don't know really how to change it. And we try, but we don't know the mechanics kind of behind it. Mm -hmm. And I think when we know the background, it just makes it so much easier. It does. Because we know change in itself. Everyone doesn't, nobody likes change. Right. You know, change isn't easy, Mm -mm. but I think when we can find ways to, and I hate to use the word, but kind of hack it, you know, in a way that we can, we can really truly visualize what is going on. It just, it does give it a sense of ease, Mm -hmm. you know, and one, one way I like to describe it, because again, the whole picture thing (laughs) Is okay. So you're in that moment, you know, you're feeling riled up about something. I like to, you know, we always talk about, you know, the the upper, more executive decision making part of the brain. And then you got your your lower, more primitive, all your Mm -hmm. emotional brain. So I like to view those as two different levels of a house. Mm. And there's a staircase that goes between the two. But when you are riled up and you've got all these emotions, you know, think of it like a like a storm, you got those big black rolling clouds rolling in, Mm -hmm. they encase the staircase. And Mm. when you look at it, you can't see how to get up, up that staircase to get up to the area where we can make those, uh, you know, high order decisions, how we can do our problem solving, how we can do our emotional regulation. We can't see it. We are fogged in. It Mm -hmm. is just, we, you know, all we can feel is the energy of the storm around us. Mm. But if we can step back, let the storm that initial storm blow through and not become part of the storm, mm. the clouds clear, the staircase becomes visible, and then you can go up that staircase to that decision making, go up to making different decisions, go up to finding out what are what are my choices in this situation. And like you say, it sounds like it takes a lot of time, but it really doesn't. It just takes, and and, you know, and the the one part you said there, you know, it's that, that uh, we are in such an immediate type of society where Mm -hmm. everything has to be right now. Like someone sends you an email, you got a response. You get the text. (laughs) I got to look at that text right now. I've got to respond. Says who? Mm -hmm. What? We didn't have these things. Even like 10 years ago, 15 Mm -hmm. years ago, they did not exist and people survived. Right. You know, they called, they left a message. You got back to them the next day. Mm -hmm. Everybody lived. Nobody died. (laughs) Yeah. We we don't have to do everything immediately. And I don't know where that came from, where we felt like everything has to be like the fast food service of our lives. 
Yeah. Why do we think our stress levels are the way they are? It's because we're constantly in this fast hamster wheel that we never let our body and our mind and our emotions catch up to where we are. We're constantly in reactive mode. Mm -hmm. We're not in proactive mode. Right. So that's where, like I say, it's like, decide this isn't working for me. I'm going to step back. I don't have to answer this because I look at this text and my my immediate reaction may be the WTF. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, kind of thing. And then I'm like, no, I'm going to walk away for a moment. I'm going to go make myself a cup of tea. I'm going to go step outside. Whatever you need to do Mm -hmm. in that moment. And there's 18 billion different strategies you can do to step (laughs) away in that moment. Do, you know, put on some music, dance around like you're a crazy person, whatever you need Love to it. do to shift that moment. <laughs> yep. And once you feel like you've got that clear head again, come back and go, okay, now I'm going to formulate whatever answer I can, I'm going to do, but it gives you that moment to, to formulate whatever that answer. So it's a possibility of a win-win for all the parties involved, because yeah. I mean, I think that's what we would all prefer Absolutely. is to have a win-win. Now, mm-hmm. granted, that's not going to be 100% of the time that that's going to happen. Sure. But it gives us the opportunity to, to express ourselves, to be able to communicate in a very effective and efficient way where how our words are landing on the other end which is that's the part of the social intelligence side of things Mm -hmm. is it's all great to speak our truth, but we have to do it in a way that it's not going to create havoc and turmoil on the other end. Yeah. Because we all want to be, we all want to have that choice of being able to speak and, and, and get things off our chest, but we also want to be heard. Right. And to be heard involves finessing whatever your response is going to be so that that person isn't being, you're not putting that other person in a threat response. Mm-hmm. You're not clouding their staircase so they can actually listen to you and then they can go up their staircase and do their own decision-making and go, okay, but, and then you can have a conversation. Yeah. You know, I think <laughs> I love that because, you know, it, a couple things came up. It's it, the, First of all, let's go with the idea of the staircase. I think that's a beautiful representation because I think one thing in my education that I learned and more talking about like post-acute withdrawal syndrome, right? So like in the first two years, it can take people time to recover, even when they're sober for their brain to recover. And it was that idea that if you can't get into the prefrontal cortex where you have a substance that's occupying it, then you actually can't like even think about the future. Like you can't think about your future outcomes, right? So like you're saying, it's not a long thing, but if you're in that reactive space, then you can't think about the future. So I loved that piece. Um, And then the other piece, I think that I... this This was a challenging thing for me growing up, the idea of like the emotional intelligence piece, because I am very blunt and I have grown a lot in that idea of like, how do I say this appropriately? But I want to say for our listeners too, like, it's not sugarcoating it. It's not saying that, you know, you have to say it in a way that you're taking responsibility for the other people's response. It's saying it in a way, like you said, that's a win-win for you. So you're still speaking your full truth just Mm -hmm. in a way that allows you to also experience that win and not have to 
get into that reaction space again. And I think that was a big piece because I remember my mom when I was younger, she was like, you know, honey, if you don't sugarcoat things, people aren't going to like you because you're going to hurt their feelings. And I know she meant it from the most, you know, beautiful place in her heart. But now I'm like, I kept growing up and I was like, I don't want to sugarcoat things. First of all, I was like, I don't have the time to try to care about everybody else's emotions because I have to care about my own. I also deserve a space to speak my truth. But what she was really saying is like, do it in a way that can help you as well. So I, I think that, you know, those are some really good learning curves. And I love that, you know, you're talking about the idea of emotional intelligence and social intelligence. And I think that this kind of ties into this idea too, of happiness. So we've talked about a lot of these challenging emotions or like, you know, that reaction response piece. I want to talk about happiness and you, you have this thing about happiness as an emotion versus happiness as a lifestyle. And I would love if you could elaborate on that. You bet, you know, because I think, well, and I watched this documentary and I, I reference it a lot because I literally, oh, I love it. I probably would have it on repeat if I could find it. Uh, it, it cause I, I don't know who it was that made it. It was on Netflix like a million years ago, but, and it was just called happy. Mm. And so these researchers they went around the world trying to find the happiest people. Mm. And then they wanted to learn what made them happy. And, you know, they, they went to some of the biggest cities, you know, they were in Chicago, they're in New York, they were, you know, LA, the, the, some of the biggest, most populated areas asking the man on the street, what is it that you most want? And it was like the high 90% of people all said they just want to be happy. Mm-hmm. So there's so many of us that want happiness, but why don't we have it? Mm-hmm. You would think if so many of us want it, somebody would have the magic pill by now <laughs> that they would share it and that we would all just be able to have it. It's not, right? Because all a lot of the things that people go, oh, this will make you happy and this will make you happy. They're very fleeting. Mm-hmm. And that's where happiness as an emotion sits. Mm-hmm. You can do things during the day that make you happy, but that's in that moment. That's a snapshot of your day, mm-hmm. you know, and when people are going through some hard emotions and they just want to deactivate those, a lot of times we will go to whatever your substance of choice is, because you're like, that just gives me a break that allows me to, to float away and be happy for a moment. Mm-hmm. And then that's the key word is for a moment. Mm-hmm. And then you have, I need more and I need more and I need me more because we want more of those moments. Right. But what happens if there's something you can do that you don't have to depend on those fleeting moments that, that you know, go in and out like the winds of the weather? Mm. And we put too much emphasis on, you know, it's kind of going to sound a little bit harsh, but on things that don't really truly matter. Mm-hmm. And we 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 are bombarded on our devices, rather we're on our phones, rather we're on our laptops, on TVs, whatever the, because we are never unplugged at mm. nowadays. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this car is going to make you happy. And making this amount of money is going to make you happy. And dressing this way and having this type of a relationship. And we get bombarded with that message over and over that we start believing that those are the only ways that can make us happy. Mm -hmm. Well, these researchers found that those aspects 
uh, those things uh, like the job, the the bank account, the the clothes, the trappings, the toys, whatever, that only makes up 10% of our overall happiness. Mm. But those of us as humans probably spend about 99% of our time yep. putting all our time and effort into something that is only giving us a 10% return on investment. Oof. Now, you don't have to be a financial wizard to realize that's not a good return. Right. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> I mean, let's think about that a little bit. Mm. Spending 99% of my time, I'm, you know, I'm putting out $99 and I'm getting 10 bucks back. Mm. That doesn't sound like a good investment to me. Right. But through their research, they also found, you know what? Genetics plays a part. Like everything else in our mm-hmm. life, genetics has its finger in that pie. Mm-hmm. And 50% of our happiness does depend on our genetics. Wow. Nothing we can do about that. Some of us are just more predisposed to be happier than others. Again, it depends. Did you win the genetic lottery or not? Mm-hmm. That's We don't have a choice in that regard. So we are somewhere, that 50% is somewhere in a spectrum. You know, I don't think there's anybody that'd be absolute zero, but there, you know, there you're gonna have, like I say, a widespread in this. So that's 50% we can't do anything about. There's 10% that we spend a heck of a lot of time going after, but there's still 40%. Mm. That's a huge chunk of our happiness that is still unaccounted for. Mm -hmm. And they came to the realization that that 40% is completely within our choice. Mm. It's how we choose to spend our day. It's how we choose to actively participate in our lives. It's how we, you know, the people we choose to be around, the activities we choose to do. It is the things that it is completely under our control. Now, there's a sign that I have in my office that is my little reminder each day, and it just says, today I choose happiness. Mm. And so it's just a reminder because Lord knows we do need those reminders every day, every Mm -hmm. single one of us. How am I going to choose happy today? Now, a lot of times, especially in the area that I live, I have to remind myself that about 100 times when I'm driving anywhere because the amount of traffic that I usually end up in the middle of every day, it can be intense. Mm -hmm. So I have how I'm going to be stuck in this traffic for the next hour. Am I going to let it completely derail my day? Because Lord knows I've been there where I've let it do that. And we know how that can snowball right? You get to the office, you're already all riled up, you you get your coffee, you end up spilling it on your shirt, and it just compounds, right? It's a domino effect. Mm -hmm. The energy just creates other of the energy and it just rolls throughout your whole day. But I'm like, okay, I have no choice. I'm going to be in this this traffic. I have the choice, as we said, to respond to it a certain way. What am I going to do? Well, the best thing for me to do, and I know it may sound crazy to some, is I have a little bit of car karaoke that starts going on. I will crank the tunes. I will (laughs) sing at the top of my lungs. For the most part, my windows are up, so I'm not annoying anyone else around me. Depends (laughs) on the weather. My my roof may be open. I'm sorry for the people that may be in your shot. (laughs) But either way, I'm going to be in my happiness bubble. And I know what certain songs get me going. Mm -hmm. I have a playlist 
that I have made up that I have, I know when that song comes on, I just, it fills me up in some way. It gets, you know, whatever gets the juices flowing. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to have those different songs that are going to do it. I suggest everyone make their happiness playlist, get about 20, 30 songs on there and have them on the ready, have them on your devices, have them so that when you, the moment comes up where you need to shift that energy or shift that emotion that's going on in you right now, you can quickly put in the earbuds, you can put on that playlist and you can lose yourself in a couple of minutes of even if you don't get up and dance around like a funky chicken, you can still, you can still kind of like, I do a lot of what I call the dancing from the waist up, right? Cause I'm driving. So yeah. I'll be just kind of, you know, doing the, the swaying kind of like say doing my carpool karaoke. <laughs> it makes the drive go faster. Mm-hmm. Like I can't make the cars get out of my way. I wish I could. And you know what? The Jetsons said that we were supposed to have flying cars by now. Yeah. <laughs> don't see it. They lied to us. So either way, my wheels have to be on the concrete and I need to drive. So I need right. to find the best way that I can do that. So when I get to the other end, that I can be in the right mind space, the right energy space of whoever it is I'm meeting, and I can meet them and have it be that positive experience instead of puking my bad day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, that's what it feels Absolutely. like you're doing all over them. And they're like, what the heck just happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, wow. I love it. I think that that is, I think we've all probably experienced that where you just kind of like let loose, or I hope we have. Um, and also gosh, the Jetsons that made me, that took me back. I love it. Um, I want to, I think that I'm very you know, bitter. <laughs> I, I know. Seriously. What were they talking about? Um, what they've let us down, yeah. but, uh, I think that that's a really beautiful point as happiness as a lifestyle. And I love how you kind of shared that. And I know we're running tight on time. So I want to ask you one more question. Um, If you can just tell us the seven pillars of true self-care. I know it's a loaded one. So I left it to last, which was not a great decision, but it's okay. (laughs) Well, it's an episode in all on its own. Okay. But essentially I'll like give you the (laughs) cliff notes version. Self-care in itself, unfortunately, has become a marketing term. Yep. Uh, it has become a way to sell products. It has become kind of, kind of a lot of people go, oh, self-care, it's fluff, whatever. And, and so the people do not have a tendency now not to take it seriously. Mm. But true self-care is really taking care and nurturing our physical, mental, and emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. And we ha- and finding those activities that truly do that. Like a lot of times when we think of self-care, we think of going, getting our hair done, getting our nails done, um, you know, eating right, getting sleep. Like we all think in the physical mm-hmm. and that makes sense. Cause that's tangible. We can touch it. We can feel it. We can see it, but that's only one part. Mm-hmm. You could be doing all the self-care necessary in the physical and still not be healthy. Because there's so many other aspects that need the nurturing as well. So we've got the physical. I think everybody gets that part. We've got the mental. What are we putting? What are we putting in our brain? What are we exposing ourselves to on a daily basis? How is it affecting my mental health? Mm-hmm. That could be news. It could be books. It could be videos. It could be the people we spend our time with. You know, it's it's the stress that we're we're dealing with every day. And we have to look at how is that affecting me mentally? What can I do to change that? Mm-hmm. emotionally again it's going to be how am i nurturing that am i numbing myself out the way we talked about not allowing myself to feel the feelings 
Mm-hmm. Or am I allowing myself to sit with it? Am I journaling? Am I finding more positive ways to get that those emotions out of our body? You know, I'm I I don't like the idea that you know, oh, we have to be a hundred percent positive a hundred percent of the time. That's right. not reality. Right. It just isn't right. All of our emotions are valid. They all have a reason. They all have a lesson. They all have something to tell us. So. I, I really want to encourage people to become friends with all of their emotions, not just mm-hmm. the perceived positive ones. Right. Those ones are easy, but it's being able to sit in the sadness, being able to sit in the loneliness, being able to sit in the anger and figure out what is the root cause of this. And then maybe there's a different way that I can do something differently. And so this you know doesn't happen again. But it's it's really being able to nurture those emotions so that we're not stuffing them down. Because doing that over the long term, I'll guarantee they will explode at some point. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be good for anybody. Right. So the fourth one, your spiritual self-care. Now, that could mean a whole gamut of different things. It doesn't mean, you know, or it can be organized religion. It can be not. You could be an atheist. You may not want to be a part of any of those things, but it's it's having that sense of being connected to something other than yourself. It's a sense of community. It's a sense being out in nature is a spiritual practice for some people. It could be meditation, could be prayer, could be uh, do, volunteering, uh, giving back to the community. All of those are spiritual practices. And through positive psychology, they show that a lot of people through giving back to other people, they actually heal themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. That there's a lot of people who are going through a depression. If they actually put themselves in a position to help others, it actually helps them through the depression. And that is a, a researched fact. Yep. Part is. of it. So, okay. So that's we're on now number four. <laughs> Three more. Those are what I call the, the four inner pillars. Now, the outer pillars we're going to be looking at one is the social pillar. We are social beings. Who are we spending our time with? You know, we all heard that quote of we're the the average of the five people that we spend our time with. Well, that could be online. It could be in real life. And really looking at our friendships are when if I spend time with these people, how do I feel afterwards? Do I feel emotionally drained and used up or do I feel uplifted and fulfilled? So definitely, you know, the, 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 the social pillar, especially right now, like we took a huge hit during COVID mm-hmm. over that regard where we were all very separate. And I think a lot of us lost ourselves during that time because yeah. we didn't have that connection that we need, you know, and yes, we had platforms like this where we could still see each other on screen, but we really need to share energetic space. Mm-hmm. We do need to physically touch other people, right? So it's who who is it that, like you say, that, that you really feel uplifted and cared for when you're with? So that's where your social self-care is going to come in. There's going to be self-care that we do need to do around our business and career. Mm-hmm. You know, those may not be what we always dreamed that we were going to be. But you know what? We all have responsibilities. We all have bills we have to pay. Mm -hmm. So how are we going to make this, whatever it is you're doing, so that it doesn't feel like a chore? Mm. Like we literally spend, what, 8, 10, 12 hours a day doing this. And we can either make it feel like it's torture or we can make it feel that we're actually enjoying what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So it's really looking at people you work with. 
Like maybe your your work family are awesome people. You hate the job, but you love the people. So focus on that, that you get to see those every day, nurture those relationships. Mm-hmm. Right? So really look into, and maybe you do have to change your career. Right. right. So you can, you can look at that, like where maybe that's where some people have, you know, they have the job, but again, pays the bills, keeps the roof over my head and mm-hmm. the wolf away from the door. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a passion project mm-hmm. that you can do on the side, right? Maybe you've always dreamed of playing guitar and have it in singing in front of a group. Well, find an open mic. Start doing that on the way, like find ways to nurture that passion project, because I can tell you that's going to insert so much life into your, your daily being. It's going to feed you like you would not believe. Mm -hmm. And the last one I kind of call your, your, your self-care for your future. Mm. And that's going to be where you're looking at your financial self-care is, are you having, you know, a, are you budgeting? Are you living within your means? Are you, do you have the ne- necessary insurances to make sure that God forbid anything does happen, you are covered? You know, if you have children, are you putting things away for whatever they decide for their eventual education in the end? You know, so it's it's looking at all you to ensure that your future is also taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yes, we want to live in the now, we want to be very present. But we have to make sure our future is taken care of as well. So that takes a certain amount of self-care that we, you know, it's not something you need to do every day, Mm -hmm. but it's something, and that's with all of them, all seven, like you don't have to do something in every single one of those categories every single day, but you want to touch on them on a regular basis to keep track of what's going on. This is part of managing your life where you don't feel like life just gets away from you Mm. because we know that that can happen very easily. And it's, it's a challenge to kind of get it all back, but we can do it little by little, you know, just piece by piece. And you may want to start with one of the pillars, get one of those set up. And to the point where you're like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm working this, Mm -hmm. especially the the physical one is really easy to start with. Mm -hmm. Start building some habits around that. Once you feel like that's good, move to the next one. What are some habits am I going to build there? Mm -hmm. And just keep going through. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you don't have to look at self-care as, oh my God, there's just one more thing I need to add to my to-do list. I don't want any of this to feel like a chore mm-hmm. because this is taking care of you. This is ensuring that you are your healthiest, you know, in all the ways possible. So you can be there for those that you care for the most. Mm-hmm. And I mean, isn't that all what we we all want? Absolutely. Yeah. I, these um, seven pillars are Fantastic because I think they open up so many ways, right? Like you said, it's like self-care has become very much like a marketing term or like people don't really know, or it's like, oh yeah, if I take a bath, I'm doing self-care, which great, it can be, but like to what end and like what's the intention yeah. and all these things. So I love that you kind of it opens it up to like there's so many different ways that you can be engaging in self-care. Cause I think like we get that, you know, I have to add something specific to my calendar every single day to do self-care and it's just not tangible. And I think that, you know, by saying like, okay, Hey, today, you know, I set up a bank account for my son for his future in college or whatever he decides to do. I'm like, Hey, that was some self-care today for my, you know, financial future. Or, you know, I went on a jog today or run like that was self-care for my physical. Like, I love that. That's kind of your, it's a very holistic approach, which is obviously what this is all about. Um, and I think and you know celebrate I, when you do that. Yeah. 
Absolutely. You know, don't just look at it like it's a checkbox. Right. Right. Check, check, check. I did that. Oh, I get the gold right. star, blah, blah, blah. No, it's like, you know what? I did this for me today. Mm-hmm. I took five minutes to go sit outside with my cup of tea and just breathe. Mm-hmm. That's big for it some is. people to be able to do that in a day. Yeah. So give yourself the rather mental or physical, if you're bendy enough, to <laughs> pat yourself on the back and go, good job. I'm proud yeah. of you today. You did this for your, your, your own personal self-care. Let's keep it going. Yeah. And that came up in another podcast. Actually, it's so funny. I recorded another one um, last night and we talked about you know, different things. But one of the things that came up was celebrating your daily wins. And yeah. I love that it's coming up again because it is such a big thing that we need to focus on because we get to, again, like going back to that hustle culture, we mm-hmm. get into this place of, okay, I completed it. What's my next step? What's my next goal? How do I move forward? So I love that it's not, this is not something to add to your to-do list. This is not a checkbox. This is really prioritizing yourself and shifting that perception around it, which is great. And I think as you're talking about all these different ways, um, you know, it just makes me think of like all the different ways that I even personally didn't realize, like I was showing up for myself as self-care, right? Like I was, was nice. looking at some of these for that. So I think that I'm hoping our listeners are having that same insight of like, what a beautiful way to, to show up and embrace yourself and focus on yourself. Well, and again, and it's just kind of going, yeah, some of these things we just do because we feel like we have to, mm-hmm. right? And it's like ER, the wah, wah, wah mm-hmm. kind of thing. But then you're like, well, no, I'm going to shift how I think about that. I'm actually showing up for my life. Mm-hmm. I am showing up for my future and that of my loved ones. And I got to be proud of that, mm-hmm. right? So again, it's, it's, it is it's shifting the energy, shifting the perfection. Uh, perfection. No, we're not. Well, we could be shifting <laughs> our perfection because that doesn't exist. Right. But shifting our perspective is where I wanted to go. Right. In how we look at things. And that in itself, I think when we start doing that, where the happiness as a lifestyle comes in, mm-hmm. that just feeds into that. It right? does. Be- because we're we're giving ourselves a pat on the back. We're looking at things with a little bit more of a smile, you know, and maybe a little bit more gratitude and thankfulness for what we have and what we're doing in our life. And you'll start seeing shifts because you you just you you cannot you know have, yep. not have the shifts right when you right. are when you are showing up differently and putting different energy and intention in your day, everything is going to shift with that because it's kind of like like begets like mm-hmm. right. So you start right. down a certain path, it's going to snowball in that way. We've seen how negative stuff can snowball. So let's choose our snowball. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to highlight too, earlier, you kind of said this idea of like change isn't always, is not easy. And I think that, you know, I had a client um, share with me a while ago. She is doing really well in recovery, um, but has a really rough story. And she's 34 weeks pregnant and she's been sober her whole pregnancy. And she was talking to me the other day and she's like, I'm really scared. And this change, even though I know it's good for me and I know like, this is what I want. I don't know how I feel about it. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. So I want to say too, like, I love that you highlighted like change is scary, even if it's positive or, or, you know, if we label it as positive or negative. So if these things are shifting, it gets really rapid and quickly as it can be, like you said, like begets like, it's okay to have different emotions. And you said earlier, like all your emotions, every single emotion yeah. has a healthy space in an adult life. And in a, even, I don't even say adult in a human beings life, right? Yes. Even kids, like they yeah. have the right to all those feelings. So that was such a beautiful piece. And I do, 
I, w- I said that was the last question, but I do have one more because now it's like really on my mind. So you said um, you had this 10 days of silence. Yes. And to me, like, as we're chatting, I'm like, oh, like, we're totally on the same wavelength. Like, she, like you know, we're, we're chatty. We like to talk. So I'm like, how in the world did you do a 10 days of silence? I just have to know, like, what was behind that? Oh, my goodness. That came up in a time where I was in the very kind of very beginning of my journey because and I have a habit of signing myself up for things uh, without really knowing what I'm doing. Yep. (laughs) Because I kind of went, that sounds cool. Let's do it. And then go, oh, crap. What did I just do? Yep. Uh, Because my I had knew at that point in time, I knew one person who had done it and she wouldn't go too much into how because she didn't want to taint my experience of it. So I get that. And but it was kind of like, I don't know how I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. But I like I always like challenging myself. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we know that's where growth happens. Yeah. absolutely. And so I have this really weird habit of challenging myself either physically or otherwise to try to just see where my limits are because we don't know until we try. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So I get there and I knew a little bit of what was happening, right? Cause they, they send us like paperwork of what to be prepared for. And one of the things is our lovely little devices. We have Mm. to hand them in. Mm. And so everybody was joking with me going, Oh my God, you're not going to survive 24 hours. You have to give up your phone, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you guys really don't know me. I, cause I'm kind of like, I am an introvert. I was mm. built for this. You know, I can let go of my social media. I mean, I enjoy it. I enjoy doing it. I like being mm-hmm. on it. Believe me. I love my videos, blah, 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 but I, I, I can do it. I'm like, mm-hmm. no problem. So, you know, hand over my car keys, hand over my phone. It gets, you know, locked into a little bag. Not going to see that for 10 days. See ya. <laughs> All right. Okay. Then they start telling us about the rest of it. And it was the rest of it that I kind of went, oh, crap. I have to tell you, like, my anxiety already (laughs) is like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Because again, the idea of no talking. Okay, again, going back. Yes, I am an introvert. Sometimes I go days. If I don't leave the house, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, and have no need to go shopping or whatever. You know, I I did have, you know, I had my cats. I would talk to them. But, you know, I could not be, you know, talking with people. I'm good. But there was the other forms of communication that we were also not allowed to do. Mm. So no eye contact. Oh, man. No body language. No smiling. No gestures. Uh, You essentially had to live like you were a monk. So you're Mm. looking at the floor as you're walking around. Like you have to be in your own space. But the hardest one for me was no writing. Because I came with the intention that I was going to be journaling my whole experience. We had to turn in our pens and our paper as well as our phones. So I'm like, oh my goodness. What am I going to do? Because I document everything. And I'm like, so this is where my brain is now on fire going, what am I going to do? I'm not going to be able to remember everything. But that's the point because Mm -hmm. we have a tendency to over intellectualize our experiences instead Mm -hmm. of actually being within the experience. Mm -hmm. And so after I finally got that, and that they had to explain that to us that first day, I'm like, again, okay, letting go of the idea that I'm not going to come out of this with like a script of everything that happened. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to experience it. What I remember, I remember. 
and I'm going to enjoy it. But yes, so it was 10 days of, like I say, no talking to any, and there were 70 of us there. Oh so there's a goodness. lot of people yeah. to not talk to. Yeah. Oh my so goodness. No talking. And then, then there, I mean, there, it happens. You bump into someone, you're like, oh, sorry. Um, so you had to kind of deactivate that then and not like not looking at people, no smiling. That was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 10 hours of meditation every day. Wow. That was intense because I wasn't really a meditator before I went. <laughs> so I'm like, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my body survived and they teach you a certain type of meditation that where you're learning how to, as thoughts, as experiences come, to not react, mm. to let them flow through and to go and not grab onto them. Because mm. when we grab onto those thoughts, those feelings, those experiences, that's where suffering happens. Right. So yeah, yeah. it's just learning to allow things to come in and go and learn that flow. And probably by about day six or seven, it finally kind of kicked in for me. Everybody's on a a different timeline, right? Depending on what their individual experiences are. Um, And there is some, some people kind of go, that's it. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Um, They have, I think it's like day three and day seven are the days that most people leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, but there was only we only lost two people that week that uh, that ten days. Wow. So we were actually a pretty good session that one. And but yeah, and it was, but there was definitely times where I would sit in my room and just feel like crying because I'm like I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, yeah. But it's you. I came out of it feeling so much calmer. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of one of the things that was my test is the the highway I had to drive to get home is a little bit of a treacherous highway. Mm. A lot of very large trucks, and we have the cement meridians down the middle of the road. And my fear, because a years ago I'd had a very near accident of a very large transport truck almost squishing me between him and one of those cement meridians. Mm. So for me, passing one of those trucks, it was always a lot of anxiety. Uh, being on that highway. So my drive home was my test as mm. to how I was going to feel. And when I got home, I went, I'm not anxious at all. Wow. And I went, wow, there was something to that. Okay. But something I realized from coming out of all of this, and this is where the self-care piece really took hold for me, is I realized how loud our world really is. Mm-hmm. And how much noise of all different sorts I allow in my life. Yeah. And being that, like I had mentioned before, where I had the, my chronic illness, where I deal with a lot of chronic fatigue and pain, I didn't have any of my symptoms when I was there. Mm. And that wow. was my big eye opener of, wow, okay, so it's the stress, it's the, the noise of our world and how I am actually responding to it is has a big impact on my health. So when I came home, I really changed how I, you know, what kind of energies I allow in my home, how how everything feels here, how I how I do everything did kind of change. And that's where the whole self-care piece really came, was kind of birthed out of that experience because I really had to look at, again, 
I have the power and the control of what I allow into my life. And this is how it's impacting me. So I need to do this in a way that's going to be to my benefit because I want to be here for a while. Mm -hmm. And I want to find how to do this to my best, to service myself the best way possible. And it it does. It was a, it was an eye opener. It was, I really learned a lot about myself. Yeah. And, and what I, I could do. Right. Because a lot of people are like, oh, I couldn't do it. I'm like, you can. You can do it. It's just if you're willing to do that. Mm -hmm. Because I really think everybody should try it once. Many people go back and do it several times. (laughs) Now, I will tell you, um, a lot of them will do uh, a Mm three-day as as a tester. Uh, I, I kind of bypassed that. I went straight for the 10, but uh, they also do like a month one. Oh my <laughs> I haven't gosh. done that one. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think 10 oh is goodness. my limit. Yeah. But, I but, love it. Yeah. I, but you know, you, you're going to find things. Everyone's going to find things that you read them and you're like, Ooh, that's challenging. I couldn't possibly do that. Says who? Right. Maybe you can, maybe you're, sh- you're cutting yourself short. Maybe you're not giving yourself enough credit. Yeah. Maybe somewhere somebody told you that, no, you didn't have what it takes to do something like that. Right. Maybe you need to prove them or yourself wrong. Mm-hmm. That self-trust. Now, I'm not saying going out there and you know, putting yourself in danger. That's silly. But there are things that you can do that that will push you in a certain direction to actually see how strong you actually are. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe some of us, especially women, need to test those every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we give our power away too easily. Yes, we do. And we need to find those ways to start gathering those little pieces of our power back. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to be different what those are. And I think anybody listening, will something will have popped into their mind of where exactly they do give their power away to other people. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be where you're now going to set a new boundary. Love it. Like, I'm not going to allow that to happen anymore because I am my own superhero. I am going to change my, my trajectory of my life. I don't need someone to save me. I'm going to save me. I'm going to put on my own little super cape and really fancy leotard and whatever that's going to look like. And I'm going to show up for me in Mm. whatever way you deem is the way you need to do it. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, you know, as you're saying, like, you know, looking at these pieces that are challenging, I have this thing and I've never really been able to put words to it now that I think about it. And I've gotten some people like say it's really bizarre, but it's this idea of like, I love facing all my fears because of that reason, because why are those fears for me, right? Like sharks, I feel like that's a pretty common fear, mm-hmm. um, but it's a very irrational fear. Like when you watch, you know, I I love Shark Week now because it shows you how amazing these creatures are. So I'm saying it on the podcast also to hold myself a little bit accountable, but I will swim with sharks at some point. I haven't quite gotten there, but I, I did like a, I'm also terrified of alligators, which again, another kind of a weird one, but I did, um, there's I did shark one those, like, teeth involved. I know. And it's like, it's like the latches, like <laughs> yes. how their mouth like latches down that stresses me out. But, and I grew up in Florida, like I was, um, raised in Florida. So like alligators were in like people's pools and stuff. So yeah. I think my mom also contributed to that a little bit. But anyways, I did one of those swamp boat tours where you're very close to alligators. So I'm like, all right, I'm on my way because you're right. I'm taking my power back. And as even though those things seem goofy, it's this idea of me testing my limits, like you said. And 
I love so much. And I was taking notes. I literally wrote down like, we live in a noisy world and how I respond impacts my health. I love that. That was such a like gold for me. Um, And Sheila, I have to say, I have had some really incredible people on the podcast, but this has been just one of my absolute favorite conversations. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. So happy. (laughs) It was just such a beautiful conversation with so much truth and no, like, like no agenda behind it. Like just kind of that beautiful piece. So I want to thank you so much for your time and our listeners. I know your time is valuable too. Um, so I appreciate you spending it here with Sheila and I, and um, I will talk to you guys again th- soon. Thanks again, Sheila. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh. And I'm going to put all of Sheila's information in the episode notes so that you can, guys can get a hold of Sheila. So please check those out as well. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.